early explorers wrote of the bellbird's song in their journals, and their accounts suggest that salty hearts melted, as did Keats when he heard the nightingales sing. Here is a description of a bellbird from Dr. Anderson, the surgeon on Captain Cook's ship, the Resolution, lying at anchor in Queen Charlotte Sound. A small greenish bird, which is almost the only musical one here, but is sufficient by itself to fill the woods with a melody that is not only sweet, but so varied that one would imagine he was surrounded by a hundred different sorts of birds when the little warbler is near. If Keats had lived in New Zealand, how would he have written about the massed bellbird choir calling up the day? For that matter, what would Bach or Handel have made of it? In this place, the dawn chorus is magnified by the configuration of the land. Fish Bay is small, about 700 metres across, and the steep bush-covered hill behind it forms a natural amphitheatre. For that half-hour at dawn, the air shivers with electrifying sound, but to a lesser degree, there is song here all day. Bird life is abundant. Bellbirds, tui, pipits, robins, yellowheads, fern creepers, finches and sparrows. In autumn, the wax eyes invade the garden and orchard, and I've reached for a ripe fig, only to have a wax eye fly out of a fruit peck to a hollow cage. As autumn moves into winter, the fantails follow us, picking up insects disturbed by our movements. Spring brings the courtship rituals, the cries of paradise ducks and wacker nesting in secret places, and the antics of tuis tumbling out of trees. On the beach, the oyster catchers, shags and grey herons work in pairs with much fluttering and squawking, while terns flutter over the water like scraps of paper, and gannets drop with folded wings on herring. We walk cautiously past the holes in the clay bank above the high tide mark, for kingfishers are nesting there, and they are paranoid about trespass. A kamikaze kingfisher exploding from a bank in a shrieking flash of blue and yellow demands respect. In all seasons, the bay is green. Three spring-fed streams tumble through dense shade to the lower slopes, where waters are slowed by mats of cress, marsh buttercup and flax roots, before flowing out to the stony beach, making channels that shift with floods. The land is now reclaiming its forest, after being cleared and then farmed for nearly 80 years. It was bought in 1885 by James McMahon, who built a small house on a high plateau at the western side of the bay. In 1971, when we tramped through the manuka and fern in the area, we found a small clearing and a fireplace with part of a chimney built of red bricks made in Christchurch in 1886. In November 1901, the farm was sold to Walter Mills from Hopai in Peloris Sound. Walter married the daughter of a timber merchant, Elizabeth Ewing of Island Bay, and in 1904 a fine house was built as a wedding present from the bride's father, Robert Ewing. We were told that the flooring for the house was left over from a shipment of matai ordered for the House of Representatives. The rest of the house was a tutara, hartrimu and kauri, with carved kauri framing four fireplaces, stained glass panels in the hall door and a long front veranda overlooking the bay. The showcase of the sounds, people called it, and boats came in to admire the gardens that sloped down to the sea. In the front room, between the fireplace and the sash windows that frame the bay, there is the original wrought iron bridal bed in which people still go to sleep to the calls of Wacker and Moorpork and wake to the hallelujah of bellbirds. The farm was called Millig, 
although no one seems to know where the name originated. It could have some connection with the name Mills, but is more likely a misspelling of Malague, the coastal town in Scotland, which has a similar land and sea formation. Mr and Mrs Mills and their two children moved to Blenheim in 1916 and W.P. Henderson bought the farm. His son, Austin, lived there for many years and built a small cottage for his son, Ron. Although three generations of Hendersons worked the land, it was never productive. Scrub claimed the steeper slopes, flocks dwindled, and the house aged without maintenance. Melig is hard yakka, local people used to say. In 1963, Jim Ross of Lower Hutt bought the property as a hobby farm and holiday house, and that is how we first came to know Fish Bay. Like many love affairs, it began on a moonlit night. My husband, Malcolm Mason, and I, my four children, Sharon...